Welcome back to Next Scene Podcast, the podcast taking on pop culture one scene at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Brian. And with us today is our very special guest, friend to everyone. It's Dave Palace. Gentlemen, gentlemen, it's, uh, it's good to be here tonight with you. Good to be welcome. With you. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the heist. We're getting the we'll get a crew together and then they'll, they'll, there'll be a double cross and uh, and it'll be a heist. But oh, yeah. um, so. So why don't you lay it down, Brian? This was your pick. So yes. why don't you okay. tell us what we're here to talk about tonight? All right. We are here to talk about the one and only Bruce Willis vehicle, <laughs> Danny Aiello vehicle, <laughs> Danny. Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk. Great movie. Completely misinterpreted th- throughout the people because <sighs> this movie – yeah, now this will be good because Sean did not like this movie that much. But Dave, I'm hoping you see the way, the, the, the correct way to view it. I mean, this is a total fairy tale. I think the problem was, well, let's start with this. Actually, I've seen this movie dozens of times. I probably first saw it right around when it came out, even though I was like only like eight to 10 years old. Yeah. I've, I've seen it at least through the 90s. I just watched it a month ago. This is a great movie. And so you, um, like, first time you saw it right off the gate, you're like, this is a winner. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't see it when it first came out. I wanted it to come out, 89, 88? 91. I, 91, okay. So I probably saw it, I, I probably saw it a year later, a year or two later. Like, you know, when it hit HBO, when it was on TV. Exactly. Okay. exactly. That's when I saw it. I loved it then. I Everything I do, I sing a song so I know what time it is. There you go. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so like Dave, what's, what's, what's your history with the film? Okay. <laughs> now, Brian, you're, you're, there's a lot, but we got to start. We got to start when we got, we got to start here at the be- uh-huh. beginning. Um, I was originally given this DVD as a prank back in maybe my 15th or 14th birthday. I finally opened up the DVD case. <laughs> Just just a few days ago, I think I watched it streaming. For some reason, I watched it streaming somehow, but never opened this DVD until now. Uh, so this is probably the second time through I've watched it. Maybe okay. watched clips, but this is like I know at least guaranteed two times I've sat down and watched it. This particular time this this week, it took me two nights to watch it because I was getting frustrated. And I said, "Let's not keep pushing it. Let's just pause. I will come back to this the next night." and finish it because i was like i'm there's certain things that were bugging me now at the same time i'm also i felt like i did a really good job with travis on his podcast when we talked about on uh, real real comic heroes was it was it real com- real comic heroes i was trying to make sure i get the right title real comic heroes we talked recently about turtles 3 which is the one they go back in their samurai days and it's very messy but i felt like he mm-hmm. and i we walked through it and we we found on the same budget we could make the movie better without like adding in anything insane Okay. So I was like approaching this being like, okay, I don't like this scene. I don't like this thing, but I, but it's not out of the realm of impossibility that like I could just a few tweaks. And I think we could pick this, the vibe of this film could get fixed. That's my biggest problem with this film. I feel like there's, there's vibes that every time I think, well, maybe it's more like this, something counteracts it that pulls me away from that thing. Um Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there. It's not a perfect movie. I just think that it's it's a fun watch. And I gotta say, like, so I, I, I think I've only seen this movie once or twice before, and then the third time, second or third time, would have been this week preparing for the podcast. It was one of those things where I heard about it for a long time, and maybe I saw it back in the '90s and 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 forgot about it. But for a long time, I heard that it's like. People didn't understand that, oh, it's supposed to be a comedy, and they, they thought it was going to be serious. And and, when, and it was. So coming off of Bruce Willis is coming off of Die Hard and Die Hard 2, which are serious action films, where he happens, you know, the John McClane is kind of sarcastic. And he there's comedy around the Bruce Willis character, but the movie itself is serious. And people were expecting a serious movie, and that's why they didn't get it. And I watched it kind of knowing, all right, it's a misunderstood comedy. And like, it's a lot of those moments where I look at it and go, okay, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's comedy. But, but I didn't actually laugh. And I feel like it's right in a run where like uh, Bruce Willie did a few of these. So he did Bonfire of the Vanities in 1990, which is another 
kind of parody farcical like it's not supposed to be literal kind of thing but it's realistic so you could it's you know so you can kind of miss it it's not animated like uh, on on the surface it looks like it's it's a realistic thing but then they do fanciful crazy stuff and then in 92 he does death becomes her which is another like fairy tale kind of out there thing and like i feel like all these movies are kind of things where i just kind of i just kind of nod and go oh yeah, that's that's funny. But, but also, death be- at the same time as this film, though, I don't know how far off is Last Boy Scout. Right. And uh-huh. that yeah, is, like, that's an action no. comedy. That's definitely Shane Black was able to write an action comedy where it's there's violence, there are people getting shot, people getting blown up. But at the same time, him and Damon Wayans will make a one liner, and like their characters are almost kind of like as if like it's expected in this line of work that you're supposed to make a cynical joke. Mm-hmm. while something violent happens. But that's another one. That's like Die Hard, where it's a serious action film, and then you put a character who just has a sense of humor. You know, you just have a sarcastic character who's always making quips, and that's the comedy. But everything else around them is serious, whereas this is, it. this is, you know, it, like Brian, this is a fairy tale. This is farcical. This is not, it's not attempting realism. It's not attempting to be serious. It's not you know just the one character being funny. I think the thing is, like, unlike the last, the last Boy Scout, another classic, by the way. Th- yeah. Yes, there he he is. You he's in danger in that movie. In this movie, Hudson Hawk, there is never a moment where you say, "What's going to happen to him?" Or it, yeah. it's it's just, he just walks through it with a smile on his face, so to speak. There's mm-hmm. never any danger to him in any right. real way. Multiple times, he is like just knocked out and carried it into different scenes. Right. After I feel like the third time it happens, yeah, you you get this feeling where you're just like nobody really wants to kill Hudson Hawk. Everyone just wants to use him as a pawn, mm-hmm. and like the only yeah. time he's ever in danger is like Mister Butler Knife Guy at the end. It's like the only time when like if I'm mean, that that and the CIA trying to blow him up. The only two times where it's like they've he's outlived his usefulness to the people. Yeah, right. I mean even the 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 sequence the um. The ambulance and he's on the stretcher that falls out of the back of the ambulance while they're going over the Brooklyn Bridge and he's like dodging traffic. Like even that you're like, yeah, it's, you know, he's he's going to be OK. You, you right. don't really feel like he's in real danger or I didn't feel like. He I think what happens is it, you feel like he's a danger, but like you but your brain's going like that gurney is not going to be going that far that fast that long. <laughs> It'll eventually I mean, just slow down. And then you're like, okay, now we're into like Tex Avery comical stuff. Like now, like we, yeah. there's moments where the scene feels legit, and then there's a there's like an invisible wall that's been that gets passed, and now it feels like a cartoon. And then you just you feel like the like you feel like Wiley e. Coyote when he like he goes off the cliff, where like you just feel like there's no weight, there's yeah. no grounding. Right, right. I mean, he's you know, driving the gurney for God's sakes. I mean, I just well, and I just thought of a movie that is, I think it's similar to this. But does it right? And that's 21 Jump Street. Ah. And I think of it and, and talking about yeah. that, the sequence with the ambulance and the stretcher, I think about there's a chase scene in 21 Jump Street where like, a, you know, like a motorcycle runs into a gas tank, you know, a, a, a tanker truck and it doesn't blow up. And then there's like a, a dynamite truck and that doesn't blow up. And then there's like a, a, an old pickup truck carrying chickens and that gets the big explosion. Like that movie was an action film that says we're going to do action comedy and kind of took it that extra step to make it funny, to make it really ridiculous. I yeah. feel like this tries to be, it tries to be funny and actiony, like it's in the middle and it doesn't really do either. Like you got to just, you got to be ridiculous. And like that 21 Jump Street movie was something I went in thinking like, all right, this is going to be stupid, but yeah. let's just see it, whatever. You know, it was, and, and actually I, I, we saw it, Brian, you and I saw it. It was, our wives yeah. were going to the mall and the mm-hmm. choice was, do we go shopping in the mall with our wives or do we go see a movie? And at that point we're like any movie, you know, and then it turned out to be like, Oh my God, this <laughs> is ridiculous. It's over the top. It's funny. It turned out to be a really good movie. This like, there's a lot of things like that are, oh, they're, they're really close. Like if they just pushed it a little bit further, this could have been like a real classic. And and, th- and also, I think another vibe I get watching this movie is Roger Rabbit, but like, mm-hmm. but there's moments in Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say, Roger Rabbit is it's a, it's it's a it's a live action Tex Avery cartoon, right. and you understand is you understand this is a cartoon fun film. So even when like 
they're in danger of like getting the, 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 the of the of the cartoons getting oiled and burned and uh Christopher Lloyd's character like you know being the evil guy yeah. even even that being like oh no it's serious at the same time it's also a cartoon but if you heard Bob Hoskins like straight up like say like we're going to don't swear die Roger Rabbit you'd be like that's weird that's a little that's a little rough for what this vibe is like this vibe is cartoonish so like when he was on the Brooklyn Bridge like well, I would have don't swear die I'm like and then later he beats up he beats up Butterfinger and he says mm-hmm. oh, you're, you're flabby ass you could tell he's saying you're don't swear an ass and they clearly were like, that's too rough how he said it. We need to dial that back to be a little bit more calm. You can see it's easily 80 yard because he's walking mm-hmm. away broad daylight going, you're flabby ass. Like you see how, he, how his mouth moves. So it's like someone definitely knew, okay, Bruce, you, you, we can't we can't drop that many F-bombs when we're like being slabby. But then also, then Butterfinger later is like, would you want me to rape him? And I'm like, the tone. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> That's not it's so just like yeah it's so it's so just odd so, so like we start the film and we start it as a as a as a book once again mm-hmm. that puts into comedy family adventure like the initial tone is this is this is a book we're looking at a book of the legend of Hudson Hawk and mm-hmm. and we're, we're da Vinci and like it's fantastical and they're playing with mat a sorcery and magic to make gold so like the vibe gives like adventure and stuff and then and then there's times in this movie where it does feel like a comedy. It feels like it, we're parodying a Hitchcock film. Like we're doing a parody of North by Northwest where it's like, it's there's so many people who want the person who want the, they're using him as a pawn and he's trying to figure it out and he's globe hopping around trying to, you know, and there's people moving in and out yeah, of his time. Like yeah. it feels like something that like, this is a parody of something that Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart would be doing 40 years prior to right. this. Well, that's funny because, and then uh, James Coburn even plays his character is George Kaplan, which is the fake name of the mm-hmm. the spy in North by Northwest. There it is. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's definitely, so people definitely were like, so definitely somebody on this production was like, we're going to, this is at times, this will be a, or, or parody mocking the North by Northwest Hitchcock big thriller. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to parody it. Um, but then I said, but this is when it gets vulgar, it turns into, and it turns into an action film. And then it gets, then it's like, then there's really bad jokes that are like, like almost, yeah, they're like cartoonish level, like Tex Avery, Hanna-Barbera jokes. And they kind of rack the, the, the vulgar jokes. So that's my biggest problem is it. And, and, and what do you, how, I want to, I want to, I want to pass this by you. I feel like this movie did influence some people, like influence probably in the future to make, if you want to make an action adventure comedy right. I think that this movie had some failures so other people could see what worked and what didn't. The parts yeah. that definitely work are when Danny Aiello and Bruce Willis are like walking and talking together. So that's like yes. that's like the part where I think it's the most it's when they're in the scenes together. Their first scene outside like I said, him getting out of prison, have him, him even having a little silliness with Danny Aiello in the car. This is all fine. It's a grounded, it gets like a little comedy. They're have you know, driving along and this and that. And you like, you know, got a job. And like even even the silliness of like the gangsters, the is that Stallone's brother, by the way? Yeah, Frank I Stallone. Yeah. The, I thought it was Frank Stallone. So yeah, the gangsters in the thing, and then and then, well, and then the, um the 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 bad guys or the bad guy and gal, the Mayflowers, Richard yeah. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt. Oh yeah. Are like and that's and that um so originally it was just there was going to be like one bad guy. And then they were actually in talks with Audrey Hepburn to have her in. Mm-hmm. And they rewrote it to have the, the villain be a woman. And then the Audrey Hepburn stuff kind of just it didn't work out. And then they kind of combined the, the two versions to, to give this pairing like they're great together. Like give them a movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Darwin and Minerva Mayflower, like anything. Their scenes are really fun. I yeah. like now, so like there are things here that work. Now the 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 heist, the heist with swinging on the star. That's a great yes. scene. Everything, everything in the, that first act, where like they're in the basement and they're arguing. Like Danielle, it's like it's almost, and that's when it's like it turns into almost a serious heist film where they're arguing about doing this job yeah. and how he doesn't want to do it. I'm like, wow, this doesn't even feel like a comedy right now. Even the even the thumb the thumb um, handcuff part. It their attitudes are very like they're serious, and I'm like, wow, like. If we kept this vibe up, it would be great. But there are moments, instead of the swing on the stars, what I'm getting to is that 
that I feel like have influ- that influenced Vince Gilligan when it came to Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Because mm-hmm. it's like he yeah. knew and the right and the people here knew that having a having a couple guys being successful at their jobs, even if the job is crime, when you set it to like swanky music, it it it, 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 it for some reason it just hits that right part of your brain where you're just enjoying it. And so it's just like when they're making meth, when when Saul is like slinging some lawyer shenanigans around, and yeah, when they're doing their heist and everything's just moving smoothly. You're right. It just it works perfectly. And like, it's like, I want to just, I wish we kept that vibe going through where it's like, it's serious drama, but there's comedy and how cool they are when they do things. Yeah. 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 And and that's one of those things where I'm like, they were close. So that initial heist and they show like, oh, he uses the song for timing, you know, and they, they kind of set that up where, oh, there's um, Danny Aiello's like running off, like, oh, what if it's, you know, if it's this time or this time and, and Bruce Willie has like all the different songs for the different times. But then, so the final action sequence, and I was just, I was just rewatching it tonight to make sure I'm remembering right. So they name a song. They're like, oh, we've got six minutes and oh, here's the song that that's for that time. But like, where did the six minutes come from? Like, they don't really need a time. Like they, they, they needed to set it up. So like the final action sequence there was some time element why they needed a song and they actually set up one of the songs he mentions. I think it was something long. It was like, you know, what do you have for seven minutes or seven minutes, 12 seconds. And, and Bruce Willie has the Whitney Houston national anthem at the Super Bowl. And I'm like, great. Cause they've got all the missiles and bombs going off. They should have had a, have a seven minute action sequence. And you've got Mm. the national anthem with bombs bursting in air and rockets, red glare. Mm -hmm. That would have been a great setup a payoff for the setup. So the setups are all good. Like the first 45 minutes are all good. And then the payoffs are like, man, eh, you know, but it's you know what it is. It, it, at the end of the day, like that stuff, I didn't even care. Like at the end, I don't even care what they're doing with the gold. It's who cares? Well, it's that's like, yeah, that's just, yeah. That the, the MacGuffin is just, yeah. Who cares what right. they're going after? It's just, it's a general it, heist. They're going after it, something. That reminded right. me of like a Mission Impossible too, where like they're so involved with the McGuffin. Like who cares? <laughs> like just get like 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 yeah. what Dave was saying. Get them together doing their thing. I yeah. that I understood. That's a better thing. Yeah, and they they definitely work. They they, they good chemistry. Danny Aiello and Bruce oh, Willis. I mean, the movie has got good. Can you stop calling him Bruce Willie? <laughs> no, I can't. I think I think the, Bruce, the first but... the first thing that got is weird. I think is at, in around twenty three minutes is when. They get he gets the horse statue and then the butler guy comes in and, and like you know a sword comes out of his arm and he cuts his throat and it just feels very like gruesome but like they were making a lot of comedy I feel like there should have been a better way to do that scene I think that was the first scene where I was just like the balance of the scene is off. L- let me ask you yeah. guys this: as speaking of that scene, did you like the cut when he jumps off and lands in to that scene in the chair, goes through the awning and into the chair? It's not bad, but I felt like it. But then, it, but then the movie gets like serious, so it goes from like a funny way to like end the scene and get it. Like they got away, don't worry. And then, and then it's like, oh, like we got to do that. And then his neck gets cut, and you're just like, I just remember him falling in the chair and like them being like, oh, you did it. And now it's, you know, now it's like a throat's cut, and you know the gangsters are after him. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets too violent. Okay, right. Um, and then back to like, oh, the, ca- the cappuccino machine don't work. Back to comedy. Like it just the 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 bouncing of like action violence to the comedy is what is the, I think there'd been a better way to, to do that scene, but I don't I don't know. I, either either he doesn't see the violence, either like somehow he went to use the restroom and he comes and he hears noise, he comes out and like the guy's dead, maybe it would have been better that way. Or just body. Yeah. You see the body on the ground, you know he's dead. It's not too violent, but you get he's dead and like somebody killed right. him. Yeah. I mean, there's some good things. So like speaking of that scene, yeah, that, the, you know, Alfred the butler has like, yeah, these huge blades that pop out of his shirt and he cuts the guy's throat and blood everywhere. Like that kind of throws me off in terms of the tone. But then you have, but a- then they have, they have the horse that he stole and then he breaks it. And it's like, oh, he, you know, it's the old switcheroo. Like he wasn't really after the horse. There was something inside the horse yeah. that they wanted, which is another callback to North by Northwest. But it's like, then like, so that the horse thing that works, it's yeah. the, the blood and the gore, like. Yeah. Have, have Bruce. Yeah. This is how we fix it. I'm serious. I'm serious. This is how we fix it. 
You have him land the chair. They did the, he's like, he goes, you know, they're arguing with the money and the gangsters. Bruce Willis is like, oh, he goes into the kitchen or something. He goes in around the room. He's going into the cupboards to make coffee or something. Try to, he's going to try to make some coffee in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Okay. He hears the door open and he like, hears some people, another person talking. There's a British accent. You hear a shing and you hear, and then you hear the other guys leave and you hear a smash. Here's all these sound effects. And he's like, what was that? He comes around the corner, sees him dead, sees the horse statue broken. And like maybe the TV is on or something. And it says like how the, or he reads the paper or something. Cause like, it's like, he doesn't know who killed the guy. You hear the gangsters laughing and then he, and he knows that the statue's broken. And then he can go and say like, Hey, I don't know what happened, but like there was a murder or something like that. And, and then, and then he can be like, Oh, but the horse is, is, is intact. And now he's because the thing is that yeah. they make him a witness to all this stuff and then they don't kill him. And mm-hmm. I think it'd be more interesting if Hudson Hawk is trying to figure it out. So he's like that parole officer. I got no, like I got no love for him, but I, I did this horse thing. They smash the horse thing, kill him over it. And then they say the horse statue isn't destroyed. So I felt like, the, and then and it, should you as the audience don't know what's going on. You're now more intrigued when he puts on a tuxedo to go to the, to go to the auction house. To to the I, think auction. It, I think it's a little bit more interesting because you're like, you're with him now in this, you know, because like I said, the auction house, once again, we are, we're definitely referencing a North by West scene here, but <laughs> yeah. it's even, it's like too silly. And the whole time I'm like, you know, I wanted to, I want to learn about what's going on. I feel like there's definitely something going on, but it's, it's very silly. Yeah. You have it's, your, yeah, it's, your, so it is incredibly silly. That, and the, yeah, the CIA characters are like, I don't know, either there's, there's too many of them. They should make it like a pair of them. Like pick two of these guys, you know? Yeah. Way too many characters. I agree pick, with you. Take the lady, merge her with the guy with the glasses. So it's like some lady who's like planning shit out and won't stop talking and is annoying. And then have like Kit Kat, who's like, he's a good brute, but he's also silent. And then he, ha- and he has his car. Mm-hmm. I well, think if you make if you just merge them, where it's like you have a brute who's silent, you have the, the mastermind who won't shut up, and and they both antagonize Bruce Willis rather than four of them. Right. Well, and they could have an, another joke that I thought they could have if they took it a little bit further. So you've got the, these four CIA agents, and their code names are all Candy, and like the one woman Amon Joy, like keep her <laughs> have yeah have David Caruso make him Amon Joy. And then she's Mounds. Why? Because mm-hmm. Almond Joy has nuts. Mounds don't. <laughs> and why is a woman right. named Almond Joy? She doesn't have nuts. Like, like. So then that would have been yeah. even more ridiculous. And it's like, okay, now we're we're definitely into comedy. Like, no one can mistake this. What we're doing here. Yeah. And I yeah, because well, and the, yeah, Butterfinger didn't really play much. Like, I feel like yeah, you could have and and Snickers was like a non-entity. Like, you yeah, easily could have winnowed that down yeah. two focused characters instead of four. Yeah. Like, because, like, what it kills me is then also the Mayflowers have their mute twins. It's like there's too many quirky people <laughs> yeah. that are following Bruce Wilson, yeah. following Hudson Hawk. I'm like, we have to, even with this parody of a, of a Hitchcock film, we got to narrow it down the characters because it's like they got to make every character do something quirky on scene. So it's like quirky joke and then quirky joke and then quirky joke. And they're just none are landing, they're all over the place. And, and and I said it's like and then and then that's what I'm saying we're losing the grounding we're losing like this isn't a real world anymore we're clearly in a cartoon now mm-hmm. and you start losing like the I don't and you start going like I don't care now we're in a cartoon it's like if you just it's like if you just have a clown kept throwing pies and splat and throwing club soda in your face like you'd be go I don't care anymore like whatever your act is I don't care I'm just aggravated now because you're not doing any anything else it's just these these dumb jokes it's not you know you're waiting for the you're waiting for the clown you know the the the, not the clown car but i don't know i'm losing i'm losing the bit yeah here. well and i wonder if there was some it, like looking at it like it's got this this film has a good pedigree i mean it's directed by michael lehman you know who who uh before doing this directed heathers and would go on to do airheads and the truth about cats and dogs and the the screenplay credit is split between steven D'Souza and Daniel Waters. Now, D'Souza did, Souza did the screenplay for 48 Hours, Die Hard, Die Hard 2. Like, he's worked, he's done Bruce Willis films before. Yeah. Daniel Waters, 
uh, wrote Heather's and then would go on to write the screenplay for Batman Returns. I feel like maybe it's like there was some struggle there. Like Daniel Waters wanted to do like a more Heather's like, you know, dark, dark comedy where Steven D'Souza is like, oh, we'll do like a diehard. It's an action film with some light comedy sprinkled in. And like mm-hmm. those two forces fighting each other kind of gets us, you know, somewhere in the middle where it doesn't work as either one. Yeah. I mean, from the moment he's in his back in his bar and he gets the and he gets the glass shot out in the in, you know, the, the, the next scene, like from the mm-hmm. beginning, you, you just right there. You just I mean, it's a complete, like Dave said, cartoon. Yeah, I will say, like, I, when I actually watched it, I don't have a, like I, I don't buy into the story that people like they were expecting an action film and didn't know it's a comedy because there's definitely like it definitely telegraphs it from the beginning. Um, from very early on that it's like we're not being subtle we're not gonna you know yeah there's no easter egg you need to look at to figure out that this is a comedy there's some very broad some very obvious things that tell you what what kind of movie it is again i just don't think they didn't go quite far enough for me and some of the things just land a little bit short yeah and i know we all love annie mcdowell and i I don't i want to talk about annie mcdowell just yet i want to get to that in a minute because I need to ask Brian, because I could, I didn't understand this. He's talking to Andy McDowell. Then he gets knocked out after the play, after the auction house explodes. Right. And then he's like, he's in the ambulance with the mobsters. And I go, did the mobster, were the mobsters at the auction house? Like, where did they come from? And I, I don't get it. Like, I don't, like, did they knock him out and then put him in the ambulance? That You know what? I have no idea. Because I just feel like, I feel like the script's like, the script is done. The script is done with the gangsters. Right. Like the yeah. minute. No, actually, the mobsters, I think, were there. They do. Well, they, yeah, they do show them. Like I, we see them in. Yeah. Well, we see, you know, we see the the, the oh, CIA guys. We see the Mayflowers. But it's another thing that, that you had mentioned earlier, Dave. It's another thing where it's like, it's almost like they the, the writers just gave up. They're like, well, how do we get how do we get our character from point A to point B? And eh, we'll just knock him out. And he wakes up. You know, he, 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 yeah, he wakes up, he's in an yeah. ambulance. He wakes up, he's in, uh, you know, this office. He wakes up, he's here, he's in a castle. Like they, they kind of go to that well too many times of where, hey, we'll just knock him out. He wakes up and we don't really right. explain why, why don't they just kill the guy? I, I really, yeah, I think, I, I think maybe the, have the gangsters be dead. I think what it should have been, it yeah. should have been an escalating thing. Introduce characters at the same time you kill off characters. So there's never too many characters. And it feels like people are getting killed off over this stuff. And Hudson Hawk keeps having to like get, he's getting involved. Like he's pushing to like, yeah. he's, um, and like maybe the next group hires him to do something. So it's like, maybe as I'm saying, he makes coffee. Let's say he makes coffee in the parole officer's apartment. He then hears a bunch of, Ugh! he comes mm-hmm. out he sees the gangsters are dead and the parole officers dead. Yeah. And the and the and the and the horse is destroyed, and then he goes into the bar, and he's like, "Yo, everybody's dead. What was up with that?" And then he's like, and then maybe have him and Diallo be like, "Yeah, maybe it's best if we let this rest." Then he sees that the auction's happening. Then he goes, and now he sees these new cast of characters. Right. Well, you saw that. That's going back to we we're talking about too many CIA agents, you know, killing killing off characters rather than having all these people. That would have been a great running gag if we only had like one CIA agent at a time, but they keep dying and then they get replaced by someone else with a different candy name. That's actually, yeah, right. yeah. So it makes it feel like he escaped. Nope, there's another one. And it's almost like the ghost of Christmas, you know, it's like, it's like he yeah. just can't escape it. And that old guy is just being like, I'll keep recruiting him. I'll keep doing it to aggravate you and stuff. Right. And then and then you can have Bruce Willie making all these like Halloween jokes of like, oh, this is the, you know, I don't like this kind of candy or who's next and kind of thing. You know, who's Starburst? You know, when's when's Eminem going to show up kind mm-hmm. of thing? There you go. We're yeah. solving problems. Then, We're solving them. Yeah. Because it's like they want to wrap up the New Jersey part. So it just feels so weird. It's like he gurneys. They blow up. Fine. Boom. We got rid of the mobster guys. And then he just rolls into just rolls into the the construction site with the CIA mm-hmm. people and just yeah, yeah it's, it's, it feels, it's they're just there yeah and it's yeah. like the script didn't know what to do the script was like well how do we get to him he just rolls into them it's yeah it's yeah. gonna because you just had a contrivance that two months two minutes ago when he's like knocked out and put into the ambulance yeah uh, so it's it's what 35 minutes in so just a little bit over a half hour in and they've done that gag three times you know he gets right, knocked again yeah he gets knocked out 
you know, mm-hmm. jumping off the roof, wakes up in in the parole officer's office. He gets knocked out at the auction, wakes up in the ambulance, and then gets knocked out by the CIA and packed in a trunk and wakes up in Italy. And that's all in like the first 36 minutes. It's like, you know, how often? And then I don't think they only do it like once or twice. Like, okay, if you're going to do it every 10 minutes, then you got to then you got to do it like eight times, nine times in the film. Like you either do it once or you do it a hundred times. You can't do it three or four times, then it's like, eh, it's too much, but it's not enough at the same time. Like if if the joke is the repetition of, oh, this thing keeps happening to him, it's got to keep happening to him. But then once he gets to Italy, it kind of stops happening. Right. So it's like, so what are you doing? You're yeah. So it's, it's, it's another instance where like, it just doesn't go far enough. If like, and I like, you know, I I really want watching it this week. I really wanted to like this because I like screwball, crazy, completely non-realistic, you know, kind of things. And I'm like, yeah, just a little bit more, just a little bit crazier. And I think what would have been better is that you see this butler, but like you don't know he has the knives. I think it would have been better review. Because the whole time you're thinking, you're going, when's this guy going to oh, throw yeah. the knives out? You're like, you're almost right. waiting. You're like, oh, he's a butler. But but we know he can murder you. So you're waiting for it. But I think it would have been better if you didn't know it. And then he pulls out the knives and it feels it feels like a payoff. Like you hear that sound effect. Right. If we know, just heard it and we didn't see it, you'll know that like yeah, like the 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 Mayflowers have been, sent their butler to take out the mobster guys and the parole officer. Like they're they're behind all this stuff. Um, I think it would be, there's, I just feel like there's no there's no aha reveals. I think the only time aha reveal is like Danny Aiello when they almost shoot him, and then Danny Aiello at the end when they they like, they don't want to kill him, and they just say he, you know comes back. I like that joke, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I do like that joke. It's the okay. only joke I'm like, I. That's a good no, one. That's... There's two, yeah, there's two jokes in this movie I think are actually legitimately funny that work for this film. It's A, the spaghetti in the thermos. I find that like subtly funny. I, oh, yeah, smirk. I, yes. <laughs> I thought that was a good, I, that was a good, like, and it was subtle. And I think it was, I liked it. It was subtle. They did it not highlight it. They go, oh, no. Much. No, it was just like he's talking. And we just see some spaghetti as thermos. I thought that was a fun little bit. And then, yeah, at the end, where they're just joking about how, like, you don't want to kill off Danny Allen. He's too cool. So you just make contrivances of, like, Eric, but can you fucking believe it? Like, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, all right. So now, yeah, we are in Italy. We're now, now we're introduced, you know, to the Mayflowers. We are at 38 minutes. So you're like, okay, we've introduced, you're almost like, have we introduced everybody yet? Are we done? (laughs) No, and we're not. (laughs) And we're not. Yeah, it's it's too many characters. They, yeah, they could have pared it down. Um, Sorry, I are we ready to talk about Andy McDowell? Uh, yeah, because I already complained that I said like the fact that you have two mute twins make Kit Kat not as cool. I felt like get rid of these twins. You know, you could have made a different crony with a different gag right. that he loses that makes Kit Kat more unique. I don't know what he what this other goon looks like. But you need to have some other kind of lackey that works for the Mayflower. Yeah, and he I loses. mean they're they're okay. But going back to what you said before, if we get rid get we don't need so many CIA agents. Get rid of Kit Kat as the silent CIA CIA agent. I mean, maybe keep Kit Kat, but don't give him yeah the, the you know the Harpo Mark shtick. You know, because yeah, because then you have have the twins be the silent guys, and then they're like the 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 twins from Breaking Bad. Ah, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Maybe maybe. Or I'm sorry. I think I think in Breaking Bad they're actually cousins. They're cousins, but they're two cousins. very similar-looking gentlemen who don't yeah. talk and they just kill people. Yeah, you know. So it's like there. It's like they they took the idea from this film and they're like, all right, let's make it good. Let's take it to the extreme. These he's just cold-blooded assassin yeah. identical people that never they, talk. These guys don't. These guys were not menacing. That's the problem. Right. These guys were not no. menacing. They look like goofballs. Yeah. Um. They didn't look no, None of it's menacing. I mean, the whole movie <laughs> not is not, not any danger. <laughs> Uh, I think the butler is the only thing I find menacing because it's like a butler, and oh my god, he has arm knives. That's the only one that's menacing because you're just like because of how <laughs> vicious he was when he killed the parole officer. Yeah, you're like holy shit, like you cut his throat, man. Like that's vicious. It's, I don't know. I like Kit Kat. I like the Mark's cards, but it's just like I said, yeah, there's too many characters. Um, but yeah, what, okay, so yeah, we have Andy McDowell, and we have him figuring out how to. And I like this. I like this idea of him like writing notes of how to figure out, you know, and he's befriending her, but the whole time he's like just eyeing stuff out of how to get in and out of the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like, it. okay. So now I will turn over to you, Sean. Tell me about Annie McDowell. 
Um, Annie McDowell's great. We all love her. She's wonderful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, this is kind of early in her career. She hadn't done too much as leading roles. I mean, she had a bit part in St. Elmo's Fire in 85, a, a bigger part, but not really. I think I, I really think of um, uh, San Laura Giacomo as more like the female lead for Sex Lies and Videotape in 89. Um, she realized her first lead in 1990 in Green Card. And then, you know, and then this in, in 91. And then, but I mean, she really gets her big break in 93, uh, playing Rita in, in Groundhog Day. But she did a similar film um, doing research for this. And it's a, a movie I actually haven't seen, but I'll, I'll, I think it's probably worth looking up just to compare and contrast. So there's a film in 91, comes, comes out the same year as this, called The Object of Beauty. And the leads are Andy McDowell and John Malkovich. And it's kind of listed as a comedy crime drama. Okay. Which is kind of like, you know, if you were to describe this, try to put it into, you know, kind of put, you know, give this this film a genre. It's, I mean, this is this is actually listed on IMDb as action adventure comedy, but it's in that similar drama crime comedy mixture. So again, like uh, The Object of Beauty with John Malkovich, it also comes out in 91. And I wonder how that compares to this in terms of balancing the action and the crime aspect with with the comedy. And, and also, like, Andy McDowell is a very, like, you look at her, she's a very respectable, beautiful woman. Like, she's not going mm -hmm. to play, like, a hypersexualized femme fatale. Right. So she right. plays, like, museum curator and, and like, secret nun very well. Because you're like, yeah, like, you don't, you never see Andy McDowell as, like, the same way you would see maybe Femke Jensen or, um, uh, oh, oh, God. Oh, 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 who else is, uh, no, I was thinking of uh, uh, X-Men. What's her name? Mystique. The first Mystique. Um, Rebecca, Rebecca Romain. Yeah. Romain, yeah. yeah. So did you, did, did, were you looking up trivia on this film by any no. chance, Dave? Nope. Nope. Because Famke Jensen actually auditioned for that part. I, um, I, for for the part that that Annie McDowell plays, and and obviously didn't didn't get it. And I love Femke Jensen, love looking at her, but she that's but I'm sorry, no offense, but yeah, but, but I, trying to pass her off as like an undercover nun, you're like no, you know. But you no. think Annie McDowell did a good job in this? Well, I I I'm okay with Annie McDowell until like until the end. I feel like they don't know what to do with her, but they want to keep yeah. her around because we we with her. Like I honestly, like I said, I, I'll, I'll admit at this point, I'm in the second half of the, I'm in the second night watching this, and I'm getting a little, that's getting a little long in the tooth around Da Vinci's castle. Like it's starting right. to like not be cool anymore. Like we're mm -hmm. there too long, and I started playing Tropico. So I'm playing Tropico on mute. I'm watching my friend play Tony Hawk on my second monitor. I have Hudson <laughs> Hawk on my third monitor. All, doing all this. I'm looking over and she's going, ah! I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a, that's aggravating. Whatever that is, right. she's going over. And I was like, I, whatever the scene is, I'm like, this is scene's just not working. This scene's to get rewritten. It's, right. It's now, so obviously Dave, Dave and I, we covered Groundhog Day one minute at a time over at groundhogminute.com. So we we had plenty of time to talk about Annie McDowell. So yeah, Brian, what, what do you think about Annie McDowell and how do you think she did in this role? Absolutely zero chemistry with Bruce Willis. And or excuse me, Bruce Willie, if you will. <laughs> Bruce and, Willie. Uh, I mean, it, it, I don't yeah. know. The whole thing with the po it just it was just too much. Not not against her. The character was not great. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like she she has the look and the feel. Again, you know, the she's better than Bruce Willis. Like, like doing the yeah, you know, doing the museum tour, turning out, you know, she's undercover nun. Like she does that very well. But then the like the 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 two scenes I think of that really highlight her is when Bruce is fighting the butler and she's got the gun and she's trying to shoot the butler and she, you know, she shoots Bruce, Bruce instead. Like, and then she's just like, Oh, what do I do with this gun? Like that was, she doesn't do physical comedy, at least yeah. not in this film like that. That was kind of weird. And I and just then, thought they had nothing together. And yeah. And then when they, when she's tied up and they're interrogating her and then she starts doing the, the, the dolphin noises, like where did that come from? That that doesn't work. Like, yeah, when she's just when she's just kind of there, she's good. But then, yeah, the material wasn't. And and I I I think she's. I know some people don't have the highest opinion of her talents as an actress. I think she does do good things. I think she's great in Groundhog Day. I think what 
just what they ask her to do, sometimes it's not the right thing for her, maybe. I, I think she's a good actress for sure. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, just, I tend to agree. I it's just that like Annie McDowell, she's just her 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 face and her 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 her, her presence, her 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 demeanor, mm-hmm. her voice, it brings this like uh, a, a, a sweet, good-natured person. Like you can't right. see Annie McDowell playing like an like, like an asshole. You just can't see mm-hmm. it. Like if she does it, you'd be like, "What a turn!" Because you're just like you see Annie McDowell. You know she's like a, a, a decently respectable woman. She's not going to like. She's not no hussy. She's not going right. to cheat on you. She's going to be like an honest, honest woman. But at the same time, she's going to stand her ground on her morals. She's not going to let you roll over on her. So mm-hmm. when, like, when Bruce Willis is like trying to push it on her, I'm more than happy for Annie McDowell to be like, you know, hey, all right, Tiger, like you're and you're sleeping on the couch. Or, you, know, you know, it's like he's like, oh, well, uh, I'll get it for Danny. I'll, I'll get a pillow. She's like, I got a pillows for both of you on the couch. You know, say like a say a line like that where she kind of like puts Hudson Hawk in his place because it's like Bruce Willis is. Yeah, he's a dog out of prison. He needs a bone to play with or something. You know, he's he's, he's feisty. And she's like, no, you're not getting it. You're not getting it from me, chief. Yeah. She does make a beautiful nun. Yeah. Um, we'll give and her that. that. And that scene, her with the cardinal, it's like, yeah, this this conversation is confusing as shit. And oh, yeah. They're, and, and our characters are confused as shit. And you're going like, and you're like, what's what's a weirder? And I'll tell you, like, what do you think? I think, I still think this is a more interesting heist. I'll say this, though. This is a more fun and interesting heist than Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> Boom! I said it! I said it! <laughs> John and Chris, I said it. Uh, Mission Impossible Three is garbage. No, it is garbage, absolute garbage. I'm so glad we're getting this on record because I know John and Chris are getting around to record, getting back to recording that film. Yeah, I said the the some of the dialogue and jokes in this movie age it and date it in a bad way. But that, but J.J. Abrams's like directions going to age and date that movie worse mm-hmm. that that movie's complete now that's trash yeah it's trash and like uh, yeah and, and so yeah because their vatican heist is like what if tom cruise and oh the i can't remember i never remember his name the helicopter pilot guy who is just in the movie i can't remember never his that, name uh, bing rames no no bing rames no. is fine it's the young guy the other young guy they like whatever his name is he was on the tutors i think he's he wasn't not, in anything else other than no, this one he's very he's an unremarkable man um, he like half the heist was him and Tom Cruise just running around changing costumes. There was like no real <laughs> cleverness to it. It was just like if one priest saw you changing, the whole mission's busted. Like you're in Vatican City, and for some reason, not a single priest, uh, nun, or just like you know tourist sees you guys changing outfits during mm-hmm. this cocktail party. And uh, anyway. <laughs> I, th- I think I think the phone the phone booth scene should have been played more as a drama where it's like he's calling where is Danny Aiello and then Danny Aiello gets out mm-hmm. but he doesn't see Danny Aiello get out I think it would have been more interesting if he saw him get out and let, and he's like you know p- hanging around palling around with the Mayflowers like I said there's moments where it's like play up that drama like play up that like confusion of like what's going on they never want to do it they never want to like give you that satisfaction of like i'm interested now they mm-hmm. never you know and then no. they get distracted by the by by yeah by um and why 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 does butterfinger want to beat him up in a phone booth in the middle of the day like why are the cia ant- antagonizing him in the middle of the day in the courtyard you know what i'm saying there's yeah see there's no yeah, reason they, for it right yeah i will say though the there were some elements of the ending i like the the kind of reveal when the Mayflowers are starting to run uh, Da Vinci's machine. And then Bruce Willis is like, well, what will happen if they're missing this one little part? And he holds up, you know, part of the the thing, the part yeah. of the MacGuffin. Um, I, I like, I kind of like the way that played out. And then I like, you know, talking about, I complained about a lot of things they set up that never pay off, but then they make their escape. They've got the flying machine, Da Vinci's flying machine that we see from the beginning. Like that comes yeah, that's back. That's the only reason the they had around. You know, so so that was like a nice little bookend. Like, hey, remember that thing from 90 minutes ago? You know, we're going to, you know, we bring it back. And so there were, I I, think I, we, you know, I, I didn't ahead. feel completely disappointed at the end. That's what I'm saying. Well, Danny Aiello's character, when he says, and I think we talked about it a few minutes ago, when, you know, how did you, how did you survive? And he's like, airbags and then the fire. It had sprinklers. 
that that shows you that that is the the <laughs> ending. That right there is they are mm-hmm. wrapping it up and saying this is what you just watched. It's a complete fantasy. Yeah. Nothing really matters. You're just riding with Bruce Willis for 90 minutes. Right. And that's it. I mean, yeah, if you're looking for another diehard or something like that, of course, it's not it. Or even a good uh, robbery heist movie. It's not it. Yeah. I mean, it, it did have a nice ending. Um, yeah. and it, it, it has some moments. It, it does have some moments. I He's like, say. yeah, that did happen. It's yeah, like right there. It's, they're telling you. They're, they're telling you it's it's complete. It's fantasy. like a dream. It's a right. it's a fairy tale. Yeah. Right. But hey, listen, great movie. Okay. Hold on. Wait, you sound like you're wrapping it up. I don't know if I'm done yet. <laughs> I don't like that vibe that you're putting out. No, 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 no. We barely cracked an hour. Oh my god. No, I, 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 you know, no, no, Mr. Ed on Pope. I like that one. I like the Pope, the little Pope joke. That's fine. I'm fine with that because it, because they don't linger on it. It's like, oh, the Pope. Pope one has Notre Dame. He likes. You know, so yeah, the, the the heist here is objectively fine. I'm zoom, zooming by it. Yeah, there's little things like the um that like the the undercover like the Vatican spy network talks through crosses like the cross lights up and <laughs> that that's how funny. she reports in. Like that's funny. I like that. Yeah, it's it's I, I, something about the yeah, the Annie McDowell romance scene. You're always like Annie McDowell, don't sleep with Bruce Willis. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but she but she doesn't do it. Why exactly? Because she they're they're playing her as like being a virgin. Well, she's a nun. Well, but like it, it, it doesn't matter. It's it's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like this is a film. Like, I mean, we're we're doing kind of like a broad overview. I feel like this may be something that we revisit. You know, maybe we do a you know kind of maybe we do like a, a series on like films with auction scenes where we talk, you know, talk right. about just that scene yeah. and we can talk about North by Northwest and, and other films, you know, like there, there are little things we can, yeah. we can, we can certainly revisit this in the future and, and dig deeper into some of these things. This is how oh, yeah. I know. This is how I know the movie has a very, a big problem with the third act because I was like, when do we get to the Da Vinci uh, castle? Did you guys look? Cause I want to know if you guys looked like when, like when, like we get into it. Like no. when we actually get into, they bring him into the castle at one hour and three minutes, and we still have thirty-eight more minutes to go. Yeah, it's about an hour in. That's where it's a problem. You're like, we've introduced him to the castle, and then we just don't swear. Oh my god! Fuck around for like a half hour. Will we leave? Because it's like they look. They they're in the castle. He starts. You know, he starts messing with them. He's humping the sister. The butler takes out his knives. Now we're now we've left the castle back to the mansion. They give him the lead gold thing. You're like, and they change the outfits. You're like, and, and they're like, we're gonna heist another thing. So it's like, I definitely feel like something was wrong. Like they 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 should have they should have just not brought him there to then take him back out of the castle. I feel like yeah. once we got to the castle, I felt like it should have been like the castle is outside of the city. They make it just like we're all just bouncing around Italy. I think it'd been better if it's like when you get to that castle, because also could have made Danny Aiello's like thing better. It's like, Oh, he's dead. And then he's not dead. Cause it's like, now Danny Aiello is going to be like their sneaky guy. Like, you know, when they go into the castle, but then, right. you know, but then the, the goes, CIA finds him, the CIA then finds him and then they, they blow up. But what is great is when he meets her for dinner, that whole ordeal. And he just jumps off the truck and he's sitting in the seat. I mean, that's fantastic. Is it, fine it's a little the catch thing is a little silly but no it's fine like it's just oh it's very silly and, um there's just yeah there's just some parts where i'm just like they it's just weird they they brought him into the castle an hour three minutes and then they like one scene and they take him back out as if like they're like oh no no we're actually we're not ready yet we're not ready yet for the third act uh take him out like like we're not done with the second act yet that's what it felt like yeah it's like once we got to the castle they should just been we should just stay you know the castle should almost be like the temple of doom once mm-hmm. you're in the Temple of Doom, you got to get out of the temple. Now you got to bust mm-hmm. out. Of, now you got to like solve the riddle of the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, and I feel like at that point we shouldn't we shouldn't see the CIA agents again. Like at that point, he's dealing with the Mayflowers and all the stuff in the castle. Yeah. To like bring us back out. Yeah. Like you said, it's it's bringing us back. We go backwards to Act Two. We're going back to dealing with the CIA guys again. It's like, well, no, we should have been. We're kind of past that. It's yeah, because yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It makes the honestly, it actually kind of makes the castle not as cool because, like, it's like if the Mayflowers could just walk around the castle all day, and there's no repercussions, 
and they have all their guards. It's kind of like it should have been more interesting than them taking over the castle. Like they have all their parts and now they take over the castle. They're just kind of like walking around. I don't know. It's almost like, it's almost like if you could if you could get the castle and you can get all these items. They didn't even they didn't have to do the whole you know it makes it makes um, Hudson Hawk le- even less important. It's like they didn't need a master thief. They could have just you know conned enough people just to get it out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I was gonna say like just restructuring, figuring out the vibe. Like you know you don't. It's like it's like sometimes you just don't have to tell a joke here. Just let the, maybe tell a better joke and then just let it sit for a minute. Let it stew. Maybe do a couple callbacks. Yeah, I know my, my takeaway is I do have, you know, in, in this most recent viewing, I do think I have a new appreciation for the things the film does well. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's it's a good film or that I really enjoyed it, but I, I appreciate it. It does it does things well. That's a that's a good way of saying it. Yes. And it, it's an interesting sort of time capsule of, you know, if this I don't know if this was made sooner or later it'd be different. You know, it's kind of a certain point in, you know, in, in Bruce Willis's career and Andy McDowell's career and kind of like what kind of action comedy stuff was being done in the late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting from that point as well. Well, now you'd have sequels. Well, I mean, I don't know if they'd even make something like this now, uh, but yeah, you know, it was kind of like for the, the whole Vatican, the church thing, you know, with, with the, you know, they can't let the gold get out. You're almost kind of like, why didn't he? Why doesn't Bruce Willis like? Why does he get like some kind of ally at the end, like secret? Like, why not priest ninjas or something? Wouldn't that have been like <laughs> that? Would have been kind of funny that like now that he helped, you know, he gets Annie McDowell and they're able to call him back up, and you just see a bunch of like Vatican priests got. You know, you see something equivalent to like the um the 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 crescent moon guys from Last Crusade. Or it's like they're there to protect stuff for the betterment of the world. They don't want the CIA and they don't want these capitalists to take it. Right. Because so, yeah. So Andy McDowell is this undercover nun. But like what is like she's undercover because she knows a lot about antiquity. She knows a lot about, (laughs) you know, she knows a lot about Da Vinci or whatever. But then being undercover, everyone talks to her. It's like they know she works at the Vatican and she's at the museum like. What it what undercover what like yeah but but yeah she's not she's yeah, not like right. an Indiana Jones Indiana Jones you know knows about antiquities yeah. and whatnot but then he can also he can handle a gun and he does all this adventure stuff like she's yeah. just she just knows about antiquities and it never really yeah so what yeah she does not have a cover that can be blown like right. it's nothing like there's nothing to be reveal about her that you'd be like oh no her cover's blown there's just nothing right. So yeah, if it if if she turned out to be handy with a gun, or yeah, there were you know priest ninjas or something, you know, some reason for people to be undercover agents for the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Again, that would have put be even more ridiculous, push it even further. But then that would have been funny, and then no one could ever accuse it of like trying to pass itself off as a serious action film. Yeah, yeah undercover ninja priests. Like I said, there, there th- we have a we have a bare bones thing like. Of like things can this movie could have worked like without changing the budget dramatically. Yeah, it's just now this. I think this is a good candidate when they talk about you know people say like why do they keep remaking classic films? You know yeah. if you've got a good film, don't remake it. Leave the good film alone. Remake a mediocre film and make it better. Like <laughs> this is like there's a lot of good stuff here. This is a good candidate. Remake this film and just make it yeah. good. I think this right. should be remade because I feel like. I feel like we need more comedies nowadays. I felt like mm-hmm. we're past the comedies where it's vulgarity. Yeah. And we want comedy. You don't want comedy to be offended. We want like everybody can watch these films and there's not going to be, a, there's not going to be any weird sexist, racist, homophobic, um, like, you know, just like short, short term matter jokes. We want like honest to God jokes and bumbling CIA agents and like bumbling capitalists and bumbling priests. Yeah, like it's fine. Like, the, like oh, all three of them—the CIA, the, the the church, and 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 the capitalist billionaires—they're gonna be fine if we make fun of them. You know, it's right. like they're not like you know. Let's not make fun of like yeah. like you know marginalized people. Let's make fun of the fucking people that clearly like run the world and have all the wealth and they need more wealth. And then you have yeah, you have like some basic 
Jersey based or just some guy from like he's mm-hmm. a simple thief and he gets wrapped up in stuff and it's wacky. Cause like, I'm trying to think the last honest to God, good comedy I probably saw was probably like nice guys and game night. And mm-hmm. I, especially game night, game night's like unoffensive in, in any way. It's got some solid, good jokes, some solid, good, like payoffs where it's like, things yeah, that earlier yeah, come back a, a um, fun, you know, a fun comedy action film. And they, they mix, yeah. they mix goofy with action where they're just like, oh my God, we're in like, we're in like a murder fight house with the rich people. And like, oh my God, like there's gangsters after us, but like, oh my God, like, is this part of the game or not? Like they mix, they mix like the horrible, like, you know, graphic craziness of like gangster guys and, and killers, but with also with, with comedy. So, you know, hell that team, that team that did game night, I would love if game, those people could like give them the reins to do. Also, I know we talked. We, I don't know if we talked about it this week. Um, that freaky, that freaky, the Freaky Friday, like murder slasher. Mm-hmm. They're doing a pretty good job. It looks like between between Happy Death Day and this, they're like able to like, hey, we're gonna mix like comedy and horror together. Pretty Happy well. Death Day is great. Yeah, and it's like, and then and, and Freaky. When I saw the, the trailer for Freaky, I was like, this is perfect. I was like, these guys are like on a roll. Like they clearly they know their lane. They know what they're good at, and they're making these nice little niche comedy horrors that i feel like we definitely need right now we mm-hmm. we need something that's like just a little goofy we don't need you know like we'll get to back to the blockbusters later we'll get to the big fast and furiouses and the one you know and the, the comic book movies and stuff but it's mm-hmm. like I, I i would yeah i think we should get something that's not a franchise you can have a lot of and you can have you can have a lot of characters like fill all these character roles with your like b and c list like that guy that gal roles and you can have them in here if they die off it's not a big deal it's like oh isn't it funny that like you know channing tatum played like the 2020 equivalent of uh a butterfinger or something you know mm-hmm. yeah i think this movie is definitely doable for a remake i think they can look back at it and see like what works what vibes can we do here and and yeah you it's like it's like yeah you, you can you can yeah I, this is it, this movie has promise as a remake i really think you can only go up from this on a remake you can see the problems <laughs> And they go how to how to fix. I think honestly, honestly, the, the the one thing that this movie does do good, and I would love it to condense, it, is just Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello. Like you know, that that's that's the part yeah, that's they, like they have, they're great together. Yeah. yeah, thank God. Like if they weren't working together, this movie would be absolute trash. But like oh, they're yeah. the ones that like you could tell they're working together, they're having fun together, and those characters work well together. These two just bumbling goon guys from New Jersey get wrapped up in this whole whole cockamamie you know gold story yeah and listen i think we covered it <laughs> all right so yeah. i think that covers it yeah i i feel better now about it all right yeah, good it's it it's, was- it's a fun watch that's what my that's what i'm gonna end with it's a fun watch yeah i i i yeah i yeah i think it's a it's a fun watch there's a there's a few there's a few things in this movie that i'm like ah i wish we could have rewritten i wish we could fix that but it's it's it it's got there's 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 pieces in here that can mm-hmm. really that really you know really can get get, yeah. get flourish in a remake. I really I'm glad you brought that up. A reboot like this would be a reboot that I'm okay with it. You could yeah. you could redo this. This it's a tale as old as time. Old thing that's gonna that the rich people want to get richer on, and every and everybody's just being a pawn in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speak uh, speak truth to power. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Uh... All right. Well, on that note, so so Dave, I, I'm sure all our listeners are, are familiar with all your great podcast work, but it, just in case they're not, why don't you let them know where they can find you? Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, we already we covered a while ago. We covered Groundhog Day, but I am uh, working towards uh, finishing up on Five Minutes of Mystery, where I cover the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men, which is that's a little gem of the '90s where it just you know there's there's not a perfect movie. But it has some really good morsels that I feel like are like, you know, I'm not saying prime for a remake sequel, but it's there's there's definitely something there for the for the people that like comic book movies and they want something that's a little a uh, little off the beaten path. Yeah, I yeah I agree. Mystery Man, a great movie, and and the Five Minutes of Mystery uh, has been a great podcast covering that. That's good, and um, of course, you know, as always, you can find us. We're at the nextscenepod.com or nextscenepod.com. <laughs> Is the website, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at Next Scene Pod, and uh, and Jelly the Month Club is the Facebook group. And so we will see you at the next scene or on the next scene.
at the, when the next scene? I don't know. What do I in say? In the next scene. In the next scene. Um, we'll see you in the next scene. So you see, it's all up to you. You can be better than you are. You could be swinging on a star.